Greetings, everybody. Welcome to episode 132 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam Brennan, and I am joined by my bestie with Nevermind. This is a family show. Dave, how are you? <laughs> I am wonderful. How are you? Good. I almost actually said the thing that would rhyme with besties that, that are <laughs> part of a man's anatomy, and I kind of am surprised I filtered myself. <laughs> Yes. So, anyways, you're doing good. Yeah, I really am doing well. So, good. I'm I'm glad that we're back on on this show. We uh we took the week off last week to record uh a new episode of one of our old shows that we're bringing back, and uh, like the professional podcaster that I am, I haven't even edited it yet. So, mm. but it's coming. I promise. And it will be somewhere in between average and glorious. I can't tell you where it's going <laughs> to land, but it will be in that spectrum. Good place. Indeed. So I think um, tonight, I think we're just going to dive right in. I don't, have right. any, I don't have any fun stories to tell. Do you? No. Not, not right off the top of my head. No, I do not. All right. Then we're going to have to go to the Bible, which is more important than my silly stories anyways. Fair enough. I don't. I feel like I'm talking really silly. I don't like. <laughs> we must go to the Bible because it is a serious place. So, anyways, I'm gonna stop talking. Dave, do you want to read for us? I can. So we're at Romans eight. We're gonna go verse eighteen uh, through twenty-five, and uh, we'll just see where that uh, takes us tonight. So, verse eighteen: For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. All right, where do you want to start? I mean, I always say that we start at the beginning, but... Mm-hmm. What's what stands out to you, I guess, about that? Let's let's start there. So I think one of the things that consistently stands out to me when I'm reading the Bible and hearing what Jesus and his disciples and the early apostles experienced is this idea of suffering and how little suffering I really have in my life and the things that I would label as suffering or I've, you know, considered suffering in the past are probably very trivial um, when it comes to what Jesus and the disciples and the apostles uh, experienced. So um, I know for me, certainly my sufferings in this present time are not worth comparing uh, to the glory. Um, but I also feel like their sufferings were at a totally different level than mine. And 
I think, well, I'll just kind of throw this out there a little bit of if anybody else has ever had the same thought or, or is it the same place of sometimes I feel like if I'm not suffering, I'm not being a good Christian. I'm not doing like if I was really out there doing what Jesus wanted me to do, I would be suffering more. Um, and maybe I should, maybe that's actually an accurate thing. I don't know. But yeah, so those are kind of my, I guess, initial thoughts at the beginning of this. Uh, my response, two things. I think it's interesting, you know, you compared our suffering to what the Bible tells us was theirs, you know, all of them martyred, mm-hmm. right? Except for John, who was just, you know, he was just exiled. That's not a big deal <sighs> to go live on an island by himself. But, you know, the suffering that, that they went through being kind of, you know, nomads going from town to town and who knows how many of them were excommunicated from their families because they were no longer good Jewish boys anymore and they were with this weirdo and, you know, doing all this stuff. And it's easy for us to say, as you said, you know, our suffering in the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. But if Paul can say that about his suffering and about the suffering that the church is going through back then and their suffering is greater than ours, then how much greater is the glory that's to be revealed, then maybe we can even comprehend. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty interesting to think. He's talking to people that are going through it, yeah. like bad, and he's not belittling their sufferings. He's just saying what is to come is so much greater mm-hmm. than, than the suffering that's going on now, which is kind of a huge hope to... to, to I don't want to say sell these people, but to it's it's a it's a large thing to get people to hope in what he's telling them, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing I want to I want to comment on is is when you said I feel like I should be suffering more, and you know maybe that doesn't maybe if I'm not suffering enough that doesn't mean I don't, I don't think you said good Christian, but something along. You know, those lines. Yeah. I don't ever think the Bible tells us to go out looking for suffering. I would agree. Like, I don't think Jesus ever says, go suffer more. I think what Jesus does and says is, when you suffer in my name, mm-hmm. it's a good thing. Right? Being yeah. Being poor and hungry and homeless for the sake of being poor, hungry, and homeless is not a spiritual endeavor. No. Nothing noble in that. Exactly, right? And there's, like when I was in college, we had a social justice week on campus that, you know, like Shane Claiborne came to because he was all, you know, important back then. (laughs) Um, And all these, you know, middle class to upper middle class white kids would build this little shanty town on the lacrosse field and be homeless for a week to raise awareness for social justice and all the things. And I'm like, but you're going to class in high tech classrooms with electricity, with air conditioning, with heating, with computers, you're playing video games in your hovel on your Xbox. You know, you're going Mm -hmm. back to your dorm to shower. You're eating a meal prepared for you in the cafeteria. You're wearing, you know, designer clothes. And it's just like, for a week, everyone is like, oh, man, I'm being so humble right now. And I just was like, I'm going to go sleep on my mattress because I'm paying $30,000 a year. I'm sleeping in a bed. 
I'm not going to pretend to be poor for a week Mm -hmm. just because it looks like I'm being a good Christian when I do that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Instead, we should be out ministering to the people who actually live like that, right? We should be bringing them food and clothes and water and hot, uh, you know, stuff for personal hygiene so that they can stay clean and healthy and have, like, it just, the whole, the whole thing of, of what was going on in that week really, really bothered me because a lot of the intentions of the people were not uh, biblical. It was just, how can I look better? By doing this. Right. And so I guess my response to you is just because you don't feel like you're suffering enough, whatever enough means, mm-hmm. like that's, I don't know how you define that, but that doesn't mean that you, you know, and I think you know this, but like it doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus. It doesn't mean that you aren't in a relationship with God. It just means that right now, Things are kind of fine. Right. So I was like, you know, financially, you're not worrying about how to pay your mortgage. You're not worried about where your next meal is going to come from. Correct. You know, you're not worried about, is this disease going to kill me? Nope. It's okay for things to be okay sometimes. Yes. There's always something coming down the pipe. Oh, we sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so I guess, I guess I just, I want to encourage people that it's not, according to my understanding of the Bible, biblical to go out searching for suffering just so to suffer more. Sure. That's not what Jesus was about. Jesus was about the truth. And so if you are living a life in accordance with the truth and telling people the truth and, and showing them examples of what it is and suffering finds you in that way, fine. Yeah. Jesus has uh, given us examples and illustrations to learn how to live in that suffering. But it doesn't mean, you know, well, I I just, I really haven't had a rough go of it. So I'm just going to go drive my car into a tree just to, you know, feel like I'm suffering now. It's like, no. And I I realize that's a a ridiculous example, but I, I hope I'm making sense. Yes. Good. Sometimes I worry that I just, words come out and (laughs) I've said that, I, you know, I'm just going to stop making caveats. I've said that like probably on half our episodes. I'm going to stop. I will say what I say and I shall not question it any longer. See, I'm talking silly again. <laughs> it's been a long week, Dave. Has it? Yeah, it's been a long week. It's all right. Everyone has long weeks, not just me. Yes. So, all right. So suffering. You can tell that my brain is totally working correctly tonight. Yes. And so I'm so the verse that's coming to my mind as we're talking about this is is Paul talking about being content. Um and I can't remember where that's at, but he really kind of talks about being content regardless of what my circumstances are. And he, you know, just what you said, he he really talks about being content in when things are going well and being content when things mm-hmm. are not going well. And I think that's Paul, right? It is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he says like he's learned how to live with much and learned to live with little, and his mm-hmm. his his joy is not dictated by his circumstances. Yeah, and so I think that is certainly one of those things. Which even in that, again, and I don't want to go completely down that rabbit trail, but easier said than done to be content. Um, 
in our circumstances. Although my wife has recently, we were talking about our marriage and our years together and good times and bad times and was telling me how miserable I was to live with a few years ago. (laughs) And I, I, you know, I don't recall it that way. Like, I don't, I mean, she was saying, and I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely true. But it's just funny for me to be kind of be like at this place where I'm like, you know, nothing has really changed. My my circumstances are still the same. And yet I feel a sense of joy. I feel a sense of contentment. I feel a sense of I'm exactly where God wants me to be. And I just need to um, just be open to him. I need to be pursuing him, loving him, loving others. Because uh, that's even like one of the other things that, you know, when it talks about being suffering or all that is, you know, I'm always afraid to talk about Jesus, um, or not afraid, nervous to talk about it. I'm always wondered how it'll be received by people. And honestly, I had an awesome talk about God with one of the, one of the people that I would have never thought would ever have that conversation with me at work. And just kind of in that parallel of being in suffering, I'm like, why do I why am I so afraid to talk about Jesus to people when time and time again, the conversations have been good? Mm-hmm. You know, like even in that, it's sort of like, you know, nobody really ever is like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're a freaking Jesus freak, you know, and I'm never going to talk to you again. I'm going to tell everybody what a Jesus freak you are. And then it's like, everybody knows I'm a Jesus freak all like suffering aside. I just wish I was bolder about my faith in terms of, not really having that inner monologue dialogue with myself of, I guess it would be a monologue because I'm talking to myself, (laughs) right? Dialogue if I answer myself. But anyway, just that, that realization of vast majority of the time, people are going to be receptive to that conversation. And if they're not, then, well, I guess, I suppose there's probably, I could have the conversation with the wrong person and it could cost me my job, but, um, that would truly be just allowing him to be in control then, I guess. Yeah, but to your point, I mean, the chances that that conversation goes, like, tragically bad... Right, exactly. ...really slim. The most likely thing that's going to happen is one of two. The person's either going to go, mm-hmm, yeah, that's nice, and change the subject... Right, or exactly. ...or engage you. Rarely is the person going to freak out on you, yell at you, tell you you're a moron, cuss you out. Like, that. that does happen... But compared to the other two responses, it's very, very, far very, between. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I get what you're saying. There's, I mean, because it's also it's the fear of the unknown. Because the person could punch you in the face. It's possible. <laughs> it is possible. I haven't been punched in the face since middle school, and I don't like it. So you know, I've avoided it for twenty years. Yes. I I would like to avoid getting punched in the face again. Yes, I would agree with I that. I mean, it is the money maker after all. That's why I'm on radio and not television. <laughs> The golden voice. I don't even have that either, but hey, we're (laughs) making it work, Dave. All right. Making it work. Verse 19 says, For the creation waits uh, with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Uh, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pangs or the pains of childbirth until now. 
and not only the creation, but we ourselves who are the first fruit of the Spirit, grown inwardly, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so there's like one, two, three, four, five verses talking about not us, mm-hmm. but the physical creation, the world, yes. right? Yep. The universe. Yep. Everything that we can see, smell, touch, taste. Yeah. Waiting eagerly for hope and being set free from bondage to be in the glory of God with his children. Mm-hmm. How many times have you heard that preached about in church? I, I don't believe I've heard this preached on. Just even acknowledging that creation longs to be with God. Just even that concept, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I ain't no hippie. You know, like, it's one of those chuck it up in the, in the closet with the Holy Spirit we just don't talk about because it's, it's weird, right? There's a song um, by Gunger called uh, The Earth Is Yours. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to start doing it at church, I don't know, six, seven years ago, whatever. And it really is about joining in with creation and mm-hmm. singing the praises of God. And I remember one of our musicians in particular was concerned that the people in the church would be upset by the song because he didn't think that they would understand what was actually being said. Hmm. And I thought that was really weird because I'm like, well, it, the Bible talks about creation singing the praises of God like all the time, mm-hmm. all throughout the Psalms, like here in other places, it's like God created it. But like, it was one of those moments where I was like, well, duh, we never talk about it. It's never brought up. Mm-hmm. So what's the average churchgoer who, let's be honest, probably doesn't have a thorough understanding of not only the Bible, but like of creation and theology and, you know, just this massive universe of what is in the Bible and what it means and, 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 and all of the, the, the doctrines and theories and stuff that surround it. And it's like, if they've never heard it preached about, chances are, if they have read it in the Bible, they've skipped over it because they don't really know what to do with it. Yeah. Because it doesn't fit into the matrix of the answer is Jesus. Yes. I just, as I was reading Orbis again, I just saw the word keep popping up, creation, 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 creation. And I realized I, I haven't thought about that in a really long time. Like, What does it mean that everything that God has created has, has a longing and a yearning and is going through the suffering of dealing with sin mm-hmm. and is longing to be as it was intended, originally intended to be? And I just, that's fascinating to me to think about. Right. Like I don't have a, I don't have like a a, a clever or witty or even remotely uh, insightful thing to say about it, other than I haven't thought about it a lot recently, and it just maybe it's because winter is kind of coming to an end, and you know everything in the next month is going a month or two is going to come back to life as it were, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just interesting to think about. Man, the trees outside my window, the river rushing by my window. They're part of this creation, this beautiful creation that that God made for us to live in. And those things want to be put right. Yeah. And that's weird. It is. But only because because we haven't talked about it much. No, we don't. That's all I got to say about that, really. I just, 
it, it just stuck out to me, and I thought, hmm, peculiar. So, I think I've talked about Rich Mullins songs quite a bit on here. And it's okay. Someone's, you know, someone's got to represent that era, Dave. <laughs> and I'm not saying you're old, I'm just saying that Rich Mullins represents, I think, a really, uh, what's the word, like rich, but also like narrow. <laughs> I was going to say niche, but I didn't want to rhyme. Like there's, there's like this subset of like Christian music from that era that like Rich Mullins is like the, kind of like the unsung hero of. Yes. Yeah, just like there's a whole mess of, of artists and bands from like that, like eight year period. Mm-hmm. And obviously because of his death and in the circumstances and you know, all that stuff, he kind of gets the, he's the poster child. That's the word I'm looking for. There it is. Um, and you know, my dad was super into that whole, that whole era of, of music. And so anyways, I'm not calling you old. I'm just saying it's good that you're bringing that <laughs> stuff up. Well, he's, uh, so yeah, that's like, if I was on a desert island and could only listen to one CD, uh, there's another dating of myself talking about a CD instead of a download. Well, you, didn't, or, you didn't say beta. Tape, I didn't so. say, yeah. <laughs> Although I did have a beta player, so I recorded the uh, Bears Super Bowl on beta in um, <laughs> 1986. So he has a song, and I think it's Calling Out Your Name is what it is called. And it really kind of hits on this theme of creation, calling out God's name. And, you know, just a couple of verses says, and I feel the thunder in the sky and the sky about to rain. And I hear the prairies calling out your name. And it just, that is one of those songs, like you said, it's just that sense of like creation does that creation. Like, worships God. Creation longs to be what creation is supposed to be because we screwed it up. We screwed it up in the Garden of Eden. Creation um, isn't currently what it was designed to be. And so there is even for the world that we live in uh, to be renewed. You know, the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. And certainly creation is, is longing for that time uh, to, be, to be here. So. so as you read those lyrics, it reminded me of a, a newer song from Hillsong called um, So Will I A Hundred Billion Times. Mm-hmm. And Hillsong United. And it's, uh, as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. If the stars are made to worship, so will I. Uh, I can see your heart and everything you've made. Every burning star, a signal fire of grace. If creation sings your praise, so will I. As you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath, evolving in pursuit of what you said. It all reveals your nature. If it all reveals your nature, so will I. Uh, I can see your heart and everything you say. Every painted sky, a canvas of your grace. If creation still obeys you, so will I. And it just goes on and on about the rocks crying out and the mountains bowing down and the oceans roaring. And it's one of those songs that, like, I listen to, like, legit for, like, four days straight because it's uh-huh. so good. So we'll have both of those in the show notes for people. The Richmond cool. song and the Hillsong United one. Yeah. Because it's good to be reminded of those things, for sure. I would agree. And then just even in verse 22 where it talks about, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Again, I think it's just interesting that there's, there's kind of this Genesis 1 parallel of... Well, is it Genesis 1? Maybe. 
two, <laughs> three, but a Genesis parallel in terms of like, you know, pain in childbirth came about in the Garden of Eden. That wasn't the way it was designed to be. And I just think it's just so interesting. And that, every woman curses. Yeah. That this idea of creation has been groaning together. Just what a magnificent picture that really is of creation groaning together in the pains of child. I mean, there's just this element of God created things to be a certain way, and it's not currently in that state. And there's a longing, a groaning, <laughs> uh, to be back to where it's supposed to be. And, and the other thing is, is I always wonder, I'm like, you know, 2,000 years seems a really long time. You know, when you look at all the things that were recorded in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, 400 years of silence, you know, different kind of, it's like, man, it feels like a real, 2,000 years feels like a really long time for us to not hear from God. And I always am like, I think it's really close, but you know, it could be another 10,000, 20,000 years. And I can't imagine what it would be like for a believer. <laughs> that that's still hanging on 20,000 years after the fact, but I digress. Guess we'll just have to wait and see, Dave. Yes, we will. All right, and then uh, verse 23 ends, uh, or just from the beginning, I guess. It says, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. So the hope of redemption, the hope of adoption, right? The hope of becoming, you know, right with God and being part of his family. Mm-hmm. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And as you read that initially, I thought I was, I was having dinner with my wife and uh, her aunt, and uh, we just had Culver's, and I remember thinking, mm, I really hope I have a hamburger. Like, as I'm staring at it, <laughs> well, I... I know I'm going to have the hamburger because it's <laughs> mine and it's on my plate. And just the, 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 the ludicrous nature of someone hoping for something that they already have because mm-hmm. they can hold it, you know? It's like, oh, man, yes. I, hope, I hope I get to podcast with Dave one day. Oh, wait, I've done it almost 200 <laughs> times. Yeah. But I also wonder, like, why did Paul feel the need to explain that? Because, like, obviously he did. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in here. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I don't have an answer for that. I just, it seems kind of funny that he felt the need to include this. Now, hope that is the scene is not hope, children, for who hopes for what he sees? It it seems, I don't know, a bit bizarre to me. But, well, even that, the first sentence of that, for in this hope, we were saved. So there's, there's, to me, there's kind of this connection of even our salvation falls on this spectrum of, it's not seen, you know, there's, there's a hope that we have, there's a faith that we have to have in terms of believing that what he says is true is true. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I definitely don't think we should be doubting our salvation. I don't think we should be in that boat, although it's, I think that's a very common and natural thing to have. Um, there is this acknowledgement in this verse that the hope that we for in this hope we were saved there is this acknowledgement of you've got to take it on faith you there's an element that is not seen you know we didn't walk with jesus we didn't talk with jesus we didn't break bread with him 
We didn't see him do miracles. There is certainly an element of our journey that is dependent on faith and hope and believing in what we can't always see. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point, Dave. I would have glossed right over that, so thanks. Sure. Yeah, but if we hope for what we do not see, uh, we wait for it with patience, which is, Mm -hmm. again, just, I think, Paul preventing a conflict before it happens, right? If we hope for something, this is what we do. We wait with patience. We don't have another option. We're not going to fight over, you know, what we do in the meantime. We are going to wait patiently and then move on, you know, to to the next part, which we'll cover next episode. But, hmm, where'd the last 31 minutes go? (laughs) It amazes me every time. I I would absolutely agree with you on that. I've even um, I've even had that thought like a day or two later thinking about an episode and just being like, I don't know what I said. Like, like just truly just like that, like, oh, dear God, I hope I didn't have like total heresy or, you know, something that. And even in that, God's a big God, so I'm not too worried about that aspect. But just knowing that our heart is to not lead people astray or to say things that we shouldn't say, but truly point people uh, back to him. And, and even in our doubt or our uncertainty or the things that we may not have right, I think that's one of the things that's just so beautiful about the Christian faith is this, it's not like, the you know, here are the five things that you have to do, and if you do these five things, you'll be saved. Um, there is just, there is this intangible piece to Christianity uh, that makes it so different but yet, at the same time, um, you know, I've been doing a devotional that's kind of on the, the basis of hearing from God. We do have to quiet ourselves. We do have to center ourselves on who God is and, and his word to hear from him. And that um, it's very easy, particularly, well, it's probably been easy since the beginning of time, but uh, very easy in our world today with all the distractions that we have to pull us away from him and probably more than ever have to make a make a uh, focused effort to be in his presence and to hear from him. Yeah, it's making the time, you know. It's not, oh, I didn't have time. It's not, I used to say this to my dad, I didn't have time to do it. And he would always say, no, you didn't make time to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, that's such a dad thing to say. But now I'm like, <laughs> now it's you're so like, true. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's so true. I did not make time to get the important things done. I, you know, screwed off and did this or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. I chose to do other things with my time. And it's just a matter of, you know, discipline, really. It's what it comes down to Very a lot of true. times is, am I going to do what I know is right? Or am I going to do something I'd actually want to do, which is more fun? Mm, yes. <laughs> but. Oh, we're such grown-ups, Dave. I'm so, so proud of us. <laughs> well, I, I do continually choose things that I shouldn't choose, so. We were going to end on such a good note there, man. You ruined it. <laughs> Any other thoughts before we uh, sail off into the sunset? No, I do not. All right, then I shall hit the outro. You can, well, first of all, thanks for listening, everyone. Secondarily, you can find the show notes at supermegagorb.net slash masterclass slash 132. 
You can get Dave on Twitter at David J. Hogue. You can find me on Instagram at Cam Brennan because I just, I don't spend a whole lot of time on Twitter anymore. I just don't. Hmm. I just, Instagram's so much more fun. <laughs> I mean, Twitter's good. It's like my news feed, but I just, I honestly, I don't, couldn't tell you the last time I tweeted. Oh, I have no idea. So, anyways, that's where you can find me. You can email us, uh, hello at supermegacorp.net. You can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash supermegacorp. And all the other good links and such will be in the show notes. And bye. Bye.